My name is Annie Gilbert. I'm the Chief of Staff at Primitive, and I had the opportunity to host the Primitive podcast. Today we did a special episode for Chiefs of Staff, and we had Latisse Saeed on the podcast, and we discussed the Chief of Staff role, what it looks like at Conetrix and Primitive, and all of the benefits of hiring a Chief of Staff. Thanks for listening to the Primitive podcast. Hope you enjoy it. The first thing that I really want to say about uh, personal development and health is that only you can give yourself self-care. So I guess another way to say it is nobody can give you self-care except for yourself. And I think sometimes we start thinking, you know what, I'm just going to push and I'm going to prove. And then once I have earned it, the world is going to give it to me. And it's not no matter how awesome and amazing you are, no matter how much you give, no one's going to say, you know what, hey, you stop and just take a breath there. It's not going to happen. You have to give it to yourself. Latisse, we're so excited to have you on the Primitive Podcast today um, and just can't wait to to dig into all kinds of things about the Chief of Staff role and what that looks like for you. Um, so let's start by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, great. Thanks, Annie. I am excited to be here and to learn about Chief of Staff from you too. Um, it's kind of a new sort of popular thing that's happening. Yes. Um, but I guess a, a little bit of my history. So I grew up in Odessa, Texas, and then I came here for college to go to LCU. And it's just such a nice place to be uh, <laughs> that I stuck around. And so my first grown-up job was at Kinetrix almost 10 years ago now. Wow. And so uh, there I started with a uh, one of our software divisions. And so I was the first support specialist for that group. And then uh, from there, I moved to being the, the manager of the support group, which was super fun to have like a little team. And then um, I got pulled in to be executive assistant. And then that kind of morphed into chief of staff. Okay. And so... How long have you been in the chief of staff role at Conetrix? So it's just under two years, I believe. Okay. Awesome. How about you? So I two and a half years. Okay. I've been at Primitive, and so I've been in the, this role here um, my whole time here and was the first person to come into this role, and so I got to kind of create what it, it looks like today. So um, tell me what for you and for your company – what does the chief of staff mean? What does that look like for you? Okay, so I was talking to the president, to my boss, Russ, about this, and we came up with, oh, it was perfect. He was saying, I was like, oh, it's three Ps. I can say it's the three Ps. So here's <laughs> here's what it is. For chief of staff, it's three Ps. So the first one is projects. I do corporate projects, so stuff that we want to do at that level, but we didn't necessarily have resources prior to do that. You know, the CFO needs to do the CFO things, and the COO needs to do the COO <laughs> things, and things would get started, and then uh, it was kind of hard to you know, just have someone responsible for those projects. And we don't want to pull from those employees who are actually serving our clients to do these more corporate things. So that's a big one. Uh, Some examples is things like uh, training for our teams of different kinds, Uh, even projects like uh, a document restructure. We moved from one server to another server and someone had to make sure it got moved over in ideally an understandable way, a new, better structure. Um, We moved from one building to another building, so just another person to be part of that kind of strategizing. Mm -hmm. So really projects that are going to make us more effective internally 
is one of the big roles for for chief of staff. So that's projects. The second one is people. So I when I was offered the chief of staff position, I was like, that sounds like it's about people. Okay, I'm excited <laughs> about that part. Yeah. Um, so you know, we have operations, we have HR, but what we didn't have was someone focusing on the development of our employees. So I get to do that, and you know, just providing resources for for managers, just that extra person. Uh, some examples of that are things like I, I started new orientation for for new employees instead of someone showing up and us turning around saying, oh, well, welcome, it's your first day. Um, I'm sure there's a desk around here for you. Just a second, let me dust this <laughs> off. Uh, it's more of a, a plan and preparation. We've got a schedule. There are different people that they're going to meet and talk to. Um, so things like that. And uh, one that I am excited about that we're about to start is some leadership training. So focus on soft skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in the technology industry, so we spend a lot of time and attention developing our technical skills. Mm-hmm. But if you want want leaders and you want effective teams, you also need time and attention in the soft skills. And then the third P is president. And I did not fully realize how important this particular part of the role was or how desired and needed it was and until I really got going. But, and I'm so interested to hear if this is the same for you uh, with Cade, but for us, I am the president's go-to strategic counsel. I am a sounding board and a listener. I'm a coach and a truth teller. You know, some may kind of describe that as a, a partner. So I'm just a go-to trusted person for exploring an idea or for him to be able to, you know, humbly say, what am I missing here? What, you know, what do we need to do different? Uh, I, I provide him that which I absolutely love. Now I have to be a vault for sensitive things, so that's kind of a new a new thing for me there. Uh, and then also with the president, I make sure that his intended message is actually delivered to the people. So we know that our leaders have great things to share and to say, but they don't always have the way to uh, deliver that clearly, accurately, etc. So that's that's a big part of what I do. That's amazing. There are so many parallels between what you just said and exactly what I do at Primitive. And oh, so fantastic. That's really exciting to me. Um, there are some differences okay. and some some variants, but um, I think it's probably just due to you know the structure of our companies and how it's a little bit different. Um, and industry as well. So what are those? Okay, so um, whenever I had the first conversation with Cade about coming on – board as in this role. Um, he he specifically reached out to me because of my counseling background. Mm-hmm. And so my background is in education and counseling. And I was finishing up my hours for licensure. And he knew that and he wanted a counselor in this role. Um, he was very, you know, specific about that. He's a very focused person. And so he knew what he wanted. And um, the reason he wanted that is because the main focus of this role and the vision that he had for it is culture and it's people. And so I loved when you said people, I'm, I'm sure I just lit up because um, that's what I'm all about. Sounds like that's what you're all about too. And so um, that was that's always been the priority um, is people. There's a lot of hats that we wear and a lot of different things that and ways that that plays out, but it always goes back to the people um, and that's the main reason that I'm here. And so we, that kind of falls in the bucket of culture. 
Um, and so it's, it's very much about the people. And I'll never forget in our first meeting when he was casting the vision for this role and, um, he's, he's the salesman. So he was really selling me on the role. Um, it didn't take much though. I was, I was all in. Um, but he said something I'll, I'll never forget. He said, we know that our people are our biggest asset and we need to take care of them. And we need somebody who can come and just focus on our people. Um, and so I was sold from that point on. I um, love that. Yes. It's just, it's so important. And I, I think it's so um, unique and maybe becoming, you know, more common, I hope, that leaders see things that way, that they value their people and they know that they can't have a healthy company without healthy people that make up that company. Um, and so that was one of the buckets. There were four buckets that he was like, this is what I want this role to do. These are the lanes that I want you to run in. And so culture was the first. Mm-hmm. Accountability was another one. Um, we have a really talented team and we always have, and that's only grown and gotten better. Um, but we had, you know, we we entrusted people to do what they do really well, and we still do. But there was no accountability by way of support. We weren't communicating, you know, where people were and maybe areas for growth. And so I think that development piece that you were talking about is what I've been able to bring to this role. Is how can we support people and then hold them accountable to? performing at their best because that's also how they're going to be most fulfilled and satisfied. Absolutely. Um, a third one was recruiting. And so in that's kind of a process one. So in, in the hiring process, we didn't have one. <laughs> um, and so I've gotten to develop that out and do it in a way that makes sense um, because now that we have built this culture and we're still working on it, um, we want to protect it, yeah, and we don't want to just let anyone in, you know, that that could potentially um, damage it or 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 bring that that negativity in. And so, um, our recruiting and hiring process is something that I get to own, and I get to do a culture interview with everyone and make sure even before we do a, a skills interview or or something like that, um, make sure that they align with our core values. Make sure that um, they feel like it's a good fit. A lot of times I spend my interview process sharing more than even asking questions because I want them to feel the freedom to ask me questions about primitive because it doesn't only need to be a good fit for us. It needs to be a good fit for them yeah. as well. And so we're very transparent and you know about um, those things. And then the last one that I think this one's a little different from yours is collaborative HR. We don't have an HR department. I kind of am that, <laughs> along with our office manager, Liz, um, who's been here um, longer than I have. And so she she knows a lot, and we work together really well um, to manage um, just a lot of those processes that have to be established and in place um, for things like onboarding new employees and making that a great experience and, and all of that. And so um, those are really the things that I still today, I mean, that was the vision and that's really where I still operate. Um, some things we've been able to put in place and and sort of um, they're not as much of a focus anymore, but there's still things that, you know, I'm overseeing and making sure they're healthy and that we're updating them as needed. Yeah. Talking about, you know, getting started and finding where things belong and kind of shifting through stuff. Um, as I started the role, me and the president and 
the president Russ and the COO Carl, we had to sit down, you know, pretty frequently and say, who does this really belong to? Because we were sort of redividing responsibilities. And we talk about HR, we do HR by committee as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So our CFO and COO, and then uh, chief of staff, me and the president, we kind of work in that role. I think part of the reason we can do that without having a specific person, I imagine it's the same for y'all here at Primitive as well, is that we hire such high caliber people Mm -hmm. that we don't need that traditional HR role who's dealing with as many like problematic types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's interesting you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, So sort of piggybacking on that, what is um, like where where does your role fall into the structure of your company? You mentioned that you work alongside um, and with you know these executive level people, and I think the chief of staff role. This is something that I've found can vary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what does that look like for you? Are you considered a part of executive leadership? You know, do you have that seat at the table? Sounds like you do. And and what does that look like? So that's a good question. Um, we have. And just a little bit about our company, we have a parent company, that's Kinetrix LLC, and then we have four child companies. They used to be divisions, and I don't know, five or so years ago, we actually split them out into four companies. And so as I was making this transition, I started as executive assistant. And so in that role, I was under the corporate heading, but not an executive seat per se, uh, you know, not that that C-level type of thing. And one thing that we found in that, because uh, executive assistant is something that was coming up a lot in the technology industry, and it was really a kind of a a high-performance, high-caliber sort of seat, Uh, but in the rest of the industries, that assistant word didn't quite make a whole lot of sense. Um, It's, you know, sounds like I'm I'm doing time logs and receipt reports. Uh, So anyways, we discovered that what we really needed for the role was that authority that comes with chief of staff. And that's one reason that we made that transition is uh, so that, you know, I, I could speak with authority and participate with authority. So, yeah, I am on the the executive team, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, owners, general managers of each company, and then that, that C-level staff. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And I love that you brought that up because um, – I I was having a discussion with someone the other day about that particular aspect of of a role. And we were talking about um, a company that really is lacking a healthy culture Mm -hmm. um, and the importance of having someone not just to be an advocate for people and listen to people, but someone who can actually affect change. And so um, that's something similar to my role here. I've always had a seat at the table. Um, and that's not not that I have power, but that I have the ability to speak into things because I have the context from the people that not make power, up the company. Not power, but influence. Exactly. Yes. And so um, I think that's so important to, to have that ability to really advocate for the people um, because then you know, they don't feel like they're just sharing things that aren't going to go anywhere, but it is going to, they, they feel heard and they are heard and it does impact the decisions that are made that affect them. And so I think that's a really important piece. And I love that you saw that need, um, and, and that Russ and, you know, everyone there saw that need and, and then did it. And I think that's, um, 
the next step for a lot of places if they can recognize that and then move into that and take action and and create it um i think it just it's it's been a game changer for us here and i'm sure at your company as well yeah absolutely and kind of what you're describing makes me think of how um we we have this concept where we talk about champions. And so if we care about our people, having someone in that role who is focused on that and is a champion for taking care of people, it makes sure that that something happens. Because we can want it all we want, but if we're not moving strategically in that direction, it just, things fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I'm writing that down. Um, so you uh, answered one of my questions a little bit. Why was your role created? Do you have anything else to add to that? Or do you feel like we've kind of covered that as far as why you moved into that different role? Yeah, as I was thinking about those two questions, I felt for us, because it was a strategic move, the questions are very entwined. You know, Mm -hmm. we created it because of what it is and that we needed that thing that it is. So far, it's proving to be um, valuable. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So what are some tangible differences that you've seen in the organization since you've been in this role? So this is a hard one for me because I feel like it's asking, um, you know, what good have you done? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, okay, uh, I am going to ask a few other people about that and sort of (laughs) sort of see what the the feedback is because I thought, gosh, what, you know, what has changed tangibly, really? So Mm -hmm. two things kind of came up from that question. Uh, One of them is so, you know, as the president being one of my focus things, Mm -hmm. uh, confidence in decisions and announcements. And so when you are a leader and you're kind of an island by yourself. I mean, we we do have a CEO. We do have, a, you know, we have all of these people that you can talk to. But um, at, at some rate, you know, there's a, a bit of an island nature whenever uh, leadership is involved. So just having someone else who is able to look at the, the details of your messaging or to be a sounding board in certain things, there is a level of confidence when you're ready to make a change, deliver a message that just makes things go better, mm-hmm. uh, less cleanup as well <laughs> for potential mistakes. And so that's one thing that I, I have seen change, uh, a tangible difference. And then another one is just consistency across companies because I am kind of a, a cog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a connector between all of these different groups and seeing you know, what's one doing and could we all be doing it or could we really be saving each other time but not all reinventing mm-hmm. the wheel. And so um, I would say those are the two things for us. What about you? So, um, you know, when I look back and think about, okay, what what have we accomplished? I mean, I think that's what it is. What what did we set out to do and how far have we come and, and that tangible progress? Sometimes it's hard. When you're working with people, there's not always measurable things. Right. And you're, you know, sometimes I think it feels better, but I don't, I don't, know why or I can't exactly, you know, quantify what specifically is better. And so I agree. I think it's hard sometimes to find those tangible things. Um, But I think that one of the things that we've established that we didn't have, we've been kind of growing up as a company. And so we were a startup and this has given us the opportunity to really mature and do things the way that they should be done. And now we're able to do that um, because I can focus on those processes and putting those in place. And so um, we've done things with accountability. We never had um, performance reviews. 
And so we've established this process where we do annual performance reviews and we're in our second year of doing that. And it's so exciting. Um, It's so empowering for our people. You never realize how much everyone needs to know, okay, where do I stand They want to be better. They want to grow. They want those opportunities. If you're not evaluating performance, they never really get that feedback they need. I love that you said that so much because, yes, we have had performance reviews for a while, but it's like some people would do them, some wouldn't. And now we're in the place where we're saying, no, everyone needs to do them. Mm -hmm. Because I know starting, you know, as an employee, that was my moment for you to also say what I've been doing well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the phrase, well, I... I don't need to keep telling you, I told you I love you. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we need to, we still need to hear it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I agree. And so that's that consistency piece that you were talking about. And I've seen that in a lot of different areas um, since we've implemented this role. Um, Another area is really just in um, a lot of the HR, um, we've, we've developed a culture guide um, that really defines it. And so we we didn't have core values. We didn't have anything defined. And so we talk about really discussing our culture a lot um, and discussing our core values and documenting them and then demonstrating them and really walking that out. Um, and it holds us as leadership accountable to that. If we're going to talk about it, you know, we need to follow through. And so we have a culture guide that walks through um, all of those, those things that are really expectations, but it's both ways. It's not, we expect this from you. It's like, you need to expect this from us as well. And you need to call us out on it when we're not making decisions that are through the lenses of these core values we've established. Um, And then we also have a distributed culture, distributed team, which has always been the case. Um, So we have remote employees all over the place. Um, And so that that was a challenge. That was probably one of the biggest challenges for me to adjust to coming into this role. Like what percent of your people are almost 50% really are not located in Lubbock. Um, And so we we have a little more than half who are who are here in Lubbock. Um, but it's the number is growing of remote employees. And that's amazing because it enables us to hire people um, not limited to location, but based on talent and fit and, and all of those things. And, and it's a totally different management style. It is. It is very unique. And so I think that when I first came on and started thinking about, okay, what steps do we need to take to make our culture healthier, Um that was my biggest roadblock. I'm like, how do you do that when people are not here? They're not in the office. And I think I had this limitation in my mind of culture is about location. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. It doesn't have to be. And so um, we we just have amazing people on our team um, who have made it work. And then um, we were uniquely positioned well for the pandemic in that we were already set up to be remote and already pretty good at it. Um, and so we definitely amped up our communication and our virtual hangouts and and really tried to care for our people in that way. Um, but everyone, even in Lubbock, could work from home really pretty easily. And so um, that was a huge blessing for sure. Um, but we, as part of our culture guide, we have that information for, okay, even our remote culture, you know, that's important. And and really just instead of feeling like it's two separate teams, our local team and our remote team, really just combining that, like we're one team, we're all valuable and valued and important. And so um, that's been really helpful, I think, just to have that 
document that we can refer back to and be reminded of. Um, the other thing that we've created is our team guide, which is basically our handbook. Um, and it just needed that consistency. And it has our, our core values that run throughout. Why do we offer these benefits? You know, and it makes us be intentional and really create meaningful benefits for our people that um, sometimes we think outside the box and, and we like to do things that are just going to really um, be a blessing to them. And um, one example is a book club. So once a month, Every employee can request a book and we'll buy it for them and gift it to them. And so um, that's just, you know, increasing learning and their desire to grow mm -hmm. and, and be developed and, and pursuing that. And it's a small thing, but it really is a big deal to a lot of our people. They love that benefit um, that they can order a book and, and have that once a month. And so little things like that that just um, – are small but have made a big impact and a big difference. Um, so those are those are some of the examples that come yeah. to mind of of where we've just seen this difference um, with our recruiting. You know, not having a hiring process or an onboarding process. I mean, I remember my first day walking in and it was a little hectic. I mean, I could tell people <laughs> were like, "Okay, this is your computer," and you know, there wasn't really a plan. Right. Um, and you think about someone coming into their first day of work, it's already a little bit scary. You don't really know people, you know, you want to be received well. Um, you're learning so much and taking in so much new information. Um, and so I think the smoother we can make that process and the more comfortable and more welcome we can make people feel, um, and that's going to happen by being prepared. And so um, I'm reading a book right now called The Power of Moments, which is one that Russ yes, loved. Yes, I have read that one. And it has that example in there. Uh, this is such an opportunity to make this a great experience, and it really sets the tone for their time at that job and somehow even represents like this is how we care for people and take care of people yes encouraging them that this is how you're going to take care of our clients going forward oh absolutely so I, I just have seen more and more how important that is and um, we're continuing to revamp how we do that and even having a remote team our, our last employee that we hired um, pretty recently we did an interview with her and that's how we introduced her to the team because we have remote employees who aren't going to meet her face-to-face -face until our all-team meeting in October, um, we wanted them to see her and hear from her and learn a little bit about her. Um, and so we just recorded an interview and sent that out on her first day. And that was just a fun way to kind of welcome her and, and make her feel valued and important. So, um, yeah, those are just some examples yeah. that, that come to mind for me. Um, so you do a lot of things. You wear a lot of hats. There's a lot of different things going on, I'm sure. Um, what does a day in the life of chief of staff look like for you? And I know it's probably not typical or the same any two days. That's, oh, did you read my notes? It says there are no two days that look alike. Yeah. I there. just, I live it. So I, I understand. Yeah. No, no two days that look alike, which is, you know, part of the purpose of the role, right? Is all sorts of new crazy things. So, um, you know, going back to my, my three P's. So a day looks like I'm sitting in the president's office. Something has come up. Uh, he, we got to figure it out. Uh, in some cases, it's something small. In some cases, it's a pandemic. Uh, so, you know, how do we, what do we do next? Mm -hmm. How do we remove obstacles for our people? Let's divide and conquer. Um, so those conversations are happening a whole lot. 
And then for projects, man, they're always, for me, because it's usually focused on like um, corporate efficiencies, Mm -hmm. you know, always new and different. That's something I really love about it, though, as compared to some other roles that you can have in a company is it's kind of, you know, you start something new and then it ends like school and then you get to start (laughs) something else new instead of something that just kind of goes on forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, a real kind of start and finish. And it might be a few weeks. Uh, Some things can take a few months. So, you know, like COVID, for example. So at the corporate level, you've got this whole new issue that you have to solve for people. And there's all sorts of questions and things. Chief of staff is right in in the middle of that, Mm -hmm. you know, daydreaming and obstacle removing and, you know, announcement writing and listening in and hearing and talking to employees and saying, oh, we need to be considerate of what's happening there. And so all of those elements kind of play into the daily as projects are moving, Mm -hmm. hearing um, the employee feedback on some of those things and seeing how that needs to affect change. Uh, And then, you know, on the on the topic of people. It could be that a new employee is coming in or it could be that. So something that I get to do and enjoy doing is uh, we use all sorts of, you know, technologies, one of them being Microsoft Teams for all of our chats. So I may be sitting down and researching a feature and then writing a tutorial on it that's specific to our staff and Mm -hmm. how we would use it. And then I distribute that in this channel we have for tips and tricks. And so Mm -hmm. people, you know, read and like and and whatever. And um, my favorite is getting those emails like, you just saved me 20 minutes a day for (laughs) telling me this trick here. It's like, yes, that's that's something that I'm trying to do. So yeah, I I could be writing or chatting. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's mostly it. It It's such a communication-based thing. Mm -hmm. So constantly communicating even when it comes to those projects it's usually a lot of different people I have to work with because they're going to affect so many different employees Mm -hmm. absolutely I agree with that a hundred percent um and mine is very similar um just depends on the day Mm -hmm. sometimes I have a lot of meetings and sometimes I have a lot of project work where I'm writing resources or preparing for a presentation that I'm going to share with the team or planning for our all team meeting. It just could be anything, but I also love the variety um, and the opportunity to do a lot of different things and, and dig into um, even just different skills that I can develop, you know, whether it's my writing skills Mm -hmm. or my communication skills or um, learning about something new. So I I really enjoy the um, combination of how there's a lot of like big picture strategy, which does have this more like kind of long drawn out feeling to it. But also I have to be available to stop at a moment's notice if something comes up, you know, what, whatever mm-hmm. those things might be, the, the things that belong in the vault. Yes. <laughs> As those things come up, everything has to stop and do that. And mm-hmm. um, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. That's, that's enjoyable. I, I like, yes. you know, a new problem to pop up in front of me and then say, okay, what do we do? Yes. Okay, so that brings up a question that I'm going off the script with. So um, I'm just going to put you on the spot a little okay. bit here. But we use something called Clifton Strengths. Yes. Do you, are you aware of Clifton Strengths? Do you know what your top five are? So <laughs> I don't have. I can guess almost from what you've been talking about. No, but I would love am I to that know. Predictable? Okay, so <laughs> I don't actually remember all of them, but I know one of them is focus. Mm-hmm. And another one is significance. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Oh, achieve. 
Achiever. Yeah. Yes. Achiever. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Those are all in different categories. Yeah. Did you realize that? No, focus I, and achiever. And executing. I do remember one more. In It's like individualization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Those are the ones I remember. The other one is that's apparently good. forgettable. Um, four out of five is not, I mean, that's more than the average person remembers yeah. when I put them on the spot <laughs> like that. So that's incredible. Um, do you use it in your company? So I... Not currently. It's okay. something that I really am starting to look into, though. So mm-hmm. we've done a little bit with Enneagram, okay, which is more simple because everybody has, like, one number. Yes. And then if you want to <laughs> understand more, you can kind of s- spread out more. Yes. Um, I had I, – I noticed that. So our CFO – Tia, she had the Strength Finders book in her office, and she's got like a, a little picture frame where she has her five strengths like oh, set nice. up in that. Uh-huh. I love that. And then uh, Russ as well, the president had, I know, done it, um, you know, within a few years or whatever. And I'd heard of it, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it sounds interesting. I don't know, Enneagram is better or whatever. <laughs> well, I happened to be um, teaching a um, visiting an LCU business class, mm-hmm. and the next session they were about to do was with a book and Tracy Mack who was the teacher at the time said oh I have two extra books if you and your husband want it and I thought you know I've been thinking about it I've been talking mm-hmm. to my friend Kathy Crockett about it like okay yes. I'll do it <laughs> and so we I took them and we did them that night and it turned my life upside down I was just like mm-hmm. you mean other people don't care about these things <laughs> like I had no yes. idea. And then for my husband's as well, it was like, you are not in the right place at all. Like, <laughs> you you're, you need chaos is what I just learned from, from yours. But, yeah, for me, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, that's why these things matter so much to me. Mm-hmm. They do. Absolutely. I, I love that. I, it's been something that has revolutionized our culture and our ability to understand each other better. So how do you use it with a whole staff? Yeah. It's um, – it's been a slow implementation okay. over time, um, but we're we're slowly becoming experts in self awareness and awareness of our teammates and their strengths, um, and it's been so worth it. When I first came on board, um, Cade had mentioned to me that um, a mutual friend that we have, Leanne Lagasse, um, had this company called ROI Talent Development, and so they're here in Lubbock and. She and Joy, who they they used to be professors in the communications department at Texas Tech, um, and now they've moved away from that and and just run with this new company. And they are strengths coaches, and so they take this and they go into companies and they teach companies how to utilize this for for whatever pain points they might have. Um, and they do consulting and coaching and and sessions and workshops. And so we invited them to come and they worked with just our leadership team and we did a workshop and we all learned our top five. We learned how they, you know, how we how we could interact together more effectively, um, really by understanding our own strengths and our own tendencies. Um, and then also those of others around us. And so from there, um, we took that information and then we have everyone in the company gets to take the assessment. Um, a lot of people take it during the hiring process. And so when we have some final candidates, we'll send them a strengths code and they'll take the assessment because it really helps us understand how would this person fit on this team. It's not really about you need these specific strengths to do this role well. It's more about um, you want a balance. You don't want 
everyone on a team to have the same strengths Mm -hmm. or even the same strong theme. You want them to be balanced and you want people to be able to bring different things to the table. Um, But of course, that can cause some friction and conflict sometimes too. And so we need to understand how to manage that. And so um, everyone has their top five. Actually, quite a few know all 34 strengths in order. Um, which is also really enlightening. Um, and so, and then I do a strengths session with each person one-on-one where we really dive deep into their top five strengths and what they mean. Because you know those words can mean different things to different people. And so we, we try to understand what does this mean for you and how does it show up for you? It's also different. Um, you and I could both have the same strength in our top five, but it, it'll look different for you right. than it looks for me. And so um, actually finished up a strength session this morning. It's one of my favorite things to do. And it's fun to watch people do what you just did. Like it changed my life. It turned my life upside down. And for people to say, how, how do they know that? Like, how are they inside my brain understanding that this is how I think and this is how I work? Um and so it's been incredible. But you said you've said a lot of things that that correlate to different strengths. Um, you've talked about st- strategy a lot, and so there's a strategic thinking theme, and then the big picture makes me think of futuristic. And so um, you'll have to let me know what that fifth one is, and if if it's one that I'm thinking of. I will. So have you had much pushback? Right, because I know with these kinds of things, there are certain kinds of people who feel like, okay, I don't want to be put in a box. I'm not taking your test. Mm -hmm. Have you had to overcome that? We really haven't. And I think the reason is because the strengths assessment is through Gallup and it is so research-based and there's so much data to back it up. You know, they've, they've improved it over the course of years and years. And so um, it's really grounded in a lot of data that, that backs it up and everybody's unique. And so I think that's the difference in something like Enneagram mm. where, where you're a number and they're a number, so you must be the same. It's not like that with strengths because even if, um, in fact, I, I haven't met anyone who has all five of my same strengths. I, you know, I've come in contact with people who have, we have four of the five that are the same we're still very different. And like I said, they show up in different ways. And so I think it still allows for that uniqueness and that individuality. Um, and we really empower people and, and continue to learn about how can you apply your strengths in this situation to solve this problem or, you know, in this way. And so we're constantly going back to the drawing board of like, okay, let's talk about this um, and and how how you can leverage your strengths um, for what the outcome that you want to accomplish. And so I did a workshop last week about applying strengths to wellness. That's our core value we're focusing on this quarter. And so we've talked a lot about wellness. And so we're like, okay, let's take something that we have that's a natural strength and benefit and let's use it for this purpose and for this goal. Um, and so it's just people really have enjoyed it. As far as I'm aware, if they <laughs> if they if they don't like it, they just haven't told me, <laughs> and that's okay. But um, it's been really well received and something that people have, um, at the very least, they have become more self aware. Yeah. Um, and so. So I have a question about like how much, what percentage or hours, however you want to say it, of an employee's work time are spent on these kinds of things. 
That is a great question. Um, so we use a project management system called Hive, and um, most of our team does. And so it breaks down their their work so that we can have that visibility into capacity, um, mostly so that they're not overloaded and we're not over, right. you know, giving them too much. Um, and so I really think it would be a small percentage, um, honestly, probably – two to five percent um and that may seem large i'm not really sure um and it's really up to the individual person because these workshops we do are optional okay so not everybody attends but we record them and they can go back and watch them um some people use some of their own time to dig in more people who really love it and just you know they have the learner strength and so Mm -hmm. they want to learn more about it um so it really depends on the person um, but I don't think that we our goal is to really limit that. Um, you know, our philosophy is really if if you're getting your work done and you're doing it with excellence, um, we don't really care where you're doing it. You know, you can come to the office or you can work from home or you can work from a coffee shop. Um, we don't really care when you're doing it as long as you're available when you need to be available for your team or for clients. Um, you know, we don't want to put those restrictions on there. And so I think it's the same with this type of personal and professional development. Um, we're not really going to inhibit that. We want to provide freedom and flexibility for you to do that because it not only makes our employees more satisfied and fulfilled, um, but it makes them that it increases their performance. Um, and you know, when they're well and they're healthy, um, they're going to be energized and they're they're going to be more excited about their work. And so, it really is a win-win for everyone when we allow them that freedom and flexibility. Yeah, I think that's something that people. It's very hard to move from even from like just, I don't even know what to call this, just very business, uh, I'll say production, this Mm -hmm. very Mm production-minded business structure Mm -hmm. to hearing about companies like ours where it's like, oh, chief of staff, why are they investing in something like that? Or Mm -hmm. why are we spending time in these kinds of skills or Mm -hmm. or whatever? But you're right, those those investments make people happy to be where they are. Yes. They make people more effective in what they're doing, their communication, their focus, all of those really important things. And so that's a hard shift that Mm -hmm. is going to happen. Um, So jump on board or it's going to happen without you, right? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. I agree. Um, And I think having this you know, having these experiences and even these tangible examples to share are the key to helping people see the value in it. Um, and so I love that. So kind of um, in that direction, how do you focus and prioritize your personal development and health? So I can talk about this for a super long time because <laughs> I love discussing personal development. Yes. I love reading about it. I love practicing it. I turn everything into a program that I do, um, <laughs> which drives my husband crazy. Uh, but so the first thing that I really want to say about uh, personal development and health is that only you can give yourself self-care. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Uh, So I guess another way to say it is nobody can give you self-care except for yourself. And I think sometimes we 
start thinking, you know what, I'm just going to push and I'm going to prove. And then once I have earned it, the world is going to give it to me. And it's not no matter how (laughs) awesome and amazing you are, no matter how much you give, no one's going to say, you know what, hey, you stop and just take a breath there. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. You have to give it to yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, mind, body, and soul, right? So for body, my number one thing is water. Um, you know, physical health is a huge part of being an effective person, a, a happy person. So if I if I'm unwell physically or if I'm unwell emotionally, sometimes the answer is a glass of water. <laughs> and it's almost embarrassing, but it's true. Uh, my husband calls me his little flower because with just a little water and little sun, I really perk up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so for body, that's one thing. Um, for mind is always learning. So books and TED Talks, like I said, I really, I, I study things. I don't mm-hmm. just read them. So, you know, Russ and I are different in this way. He'll, he listened to or listened slash read like 50 books, 30 books. I don't know what the number was. It was a number that was outrageous to me last year. I was like, I think I did maybe like six. But when I read them, I read, I read them fast one time because I'm so interested. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I like go slow and I make notes yes. and I've got all of my little like, okay, what are we going to implement? How are we going to do this? How are we going right. to apply it? How are we going to teach everyone around us about this great thing that we just learned? <laughs> um, so I love doing that. Um, if I just read it, they would just disappear from my mind entirely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've always got one that I'm reading. I One of my favorite memories about reading books was I took a day off one time and was like, I'm just going to read a book today. And so I read a book called, appropriately called Free to Focus mm-hmm. by Michael Hyatt. Okay. Um, yes. Highly recommend. It. And it was just a delightful day. <laughs> <laughs> so body, mind, um, I guess another one for mind is I, I need routine. And I make a lot of routines. So uh, a natural habit that I have is I'm always, so I guess this is a strategy thing. I'm always <laughs> calculating effectiveness. So am what I do am, is what I'm doing right now the most effective thing I could be doing with my time? Or as I'm looking ahead, the next thing that I'm going to do, should I do A, B, or C? And sometimes I spend so much time just deciding what I'm going to do to be effective that I am wasting my time instead of just picking something and doing it. So one way I kind of combat that habit is for things that are overly simple, I literally make a list. I make a routine. So Mm -hmm. if it's about, you know, yoga, I do yoga in the mornings. Mm -hmm. um, And it's just, it's built in to the routine. Mm -hmm. So there's not a question about it. I'm not having to decide. I even have uh, it in that free to focus book. And also uh, I recommend... Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yes. So that I, was the other one of Russ's okay. that I loved. <laughs> so those two kind of mixed together can just make some really amazing mm-hmm. things happen in your life. But I have yeah. this list in the bathroom of uh, how to get ready in mm-hmm. the morning, which sounds great. But it's like at this time we do these five things. And then by seven o'clock, we're moving on to, you know, light the candles, do the yoga. And then three, <laughs> it's like make the bed, have some coffee, mm-hmm. prayer time. Um, but I'm not spending time like redeciding mm-hmm. all the time what mm-hmm. to do. And that's part of me maintaining my emotional health mm-hmm. uh, as someone who thinks a lot. Yes, I love that. That's so important. Um, yesterday afternoon, I was going for a walk. It was a beautiful day. It was. And it was about four o'clock. And I, I was tired from the day. And I make a lot of decisions all day long. I have three young children. I... And so I'm going for a walk, and I can't decide where I want to go. 
like I, li- I live out in Ransom Canyon. So there's a lot of beautiful places to go. But I'm t- my kids are at the house, and so I'm like, do I want to go over the walking bridge and around the lake, or do I want to stay in my neighborhood or go up to the chapel? And I was paralyzed by this, and I had this realization that um, I was tired. And when we get tired and we start having that decision fatigue, we can't make even the simplest decisions. So I think your strategy is genius because it's built in. It's already been made. And and why would we want to waste our energy on, you know, unnecessarily on decisions that could already be our our minds made up? And it just saves that, saves us that um, additional just little decisions that really it it doesn't really matter. Yeah, because we have important things we need to be yes. deciding during the day. Exactly. So if I waste all of my decision making mm-hmm. capacity <laughs> before seven forty five a.m. on right. would it be more effective to wash my face before or after I put my contacts in? It's just mm-hmm. like okay, we don't need to be doing that. Yes. Um, I'll tell you another one that I hadn't planned to share, uh, but I just it's I do it for fun. I do it for that kind of getting like stuck, uh, and I call it chaos cards. There's Mm. some Ryan Reynolds movie from forever ago called Chaos Theory. I do not recommend it. But from the movie, I got this idea. He had these cards and he would use them. I do not use them to make decisions. Um, But he would like write down the three decisions he could make about this scenario and then pick one and whatever it said, he would do that. And so I don't use it for that, but I use it for my like my chill time at home because Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, do I want to study my Spanish? Do I want to read a book? Do I want to clean the kitchen? Do I want to like call a friend and it's again it's like there's so many I could be strategizing I could be making (laughs) these things happen and I put so much value on them it's like none of these things need to happen so Mm -hmm. I just shuffle the cards my husband will do it with me he's like it's time for the chaos cards we need to get those things out like okay and so yeah I just pick one I'm like all right I'm gonna read a book for 20 minutes and then I do that that. and it just I'm Mm -hmm. like this is what we're doing that's so great. And it's almost a reward to you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's going to be good, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, they're all good. And so it's like, oh, how exciting this mm-hmm. random thing is happening to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So I'll say um, one more for, for health, uh, and that's spirit. And that's the word I'm going to use is stop, mm. which you can already hear from talking to me <laughs> that that is something I have to force myself to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for someone who likes to be really effective, it seems counterintuitive to stop. Um, but, you know, God talks about stopping and resting all the time. It was literally built into the Israelites' rules and schedules mm-hmm. was stopping. Um, Jesus would always stop to rest. I'm not sure why we as mere he- mere humans think we do not need to do that, mm-hmm. uh, but we absolutely do. So, you know, even I, what was recommended to me is, can you just do nothing for 15 minutes every day? Mm-hmm. And I told that person, if it will make me feel better, I will do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But it does. I mean, just that literally stop and remember you are not in control of everything Mm -hmm. is is fantastic. The visual I've been using lately is uh, a couple years ago, I took a trip to the Netherlands. And I while I was there, I was more relaxed than I've been in a million years. And so I was trying to pick out what was it, you know, oh, maybe it was the bed that we slept on. It was like a junky Ikea like fold out. It was not the best. Like maybe it was like it's more humid there or maybe it's. And so I've just was going through all of these things. And then one that finally came to me was, you know, we spent a lot of time on the train. 
And I would trust our friends who were there tour guiding us around to get me on the train and to tell me when to get off the train. And my only job was literally to sit there. I could not get us to where we were going faster. I could not make our fun more fun or effective by doing anything on that ride. My job was to sit there. And so that's been part of my visualization for, um, you know, for my personal health is I just get on the train with Jesus Mm -hmm. and that's it. That's my job is just to sit there. (laughs) That's so great. I think that, um, you know, the connotation sometimes with rest is laziness. And I think in our minds and in American culture, we equate it with if we're not doing anything, like we're wasting time or we're being lazy. Um, And I really think it's just the opposite. I think it's so productive um, but really difficult for all of us to do nothing. Um, We actually watched a TED Talk recently before our last all team meeting that we had and so we could discuss it and it was about mindfulness and it was about doing nothing and asking everyone to think about the last time that you intentionally did nothing and it's so hard for us you know we get caught up in busyness and um, just our to-do lists and and there's always something we could be doing and so um, I think that we we don't value stopping and resting nearly enough. And I think it's it's so important. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, I ha- we have a lot of similarities, which isn't a surprise. <laughs> right. um, but one thing that one way that I practice just self care and, and prioritizing my my needs and um, is just healthy boundaries. And I, I talk about boundaries all the time. And I'm not always the greatest at practicing them, but I'm real good at telling other people when they need to do it. Um, but recently, I've I've really been intentional about setting good boundaries with my time um, and with my energy and e- even with my decision making, um, you know, and just really practicing self care because I think in positions like ours. We are in this role where we're caring for others constantly, and we can't do that if we're not caring for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to, you know, self-care is not selfish. It is taking care of ourselves so that we can be better for others, and you can't pour out from an empty cup. And so you have to do those things that that fill you up and um, that really position you well to be healthy so that you can support the people around you. And so I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, so this, this last question I think is really, um, just at the heart of, of what my hope is for, um, just helping business owners and leaders see the value of having a role like a chief of staff. It's not always called chief of staff. Mm -hmm. You know, some people call it different things, but, but someone who can really focus on the people at the organization. And so if you were to encourage business owners or executives to consider creating this type of role in their organization, what would you say to them? So I think we have already told them why it's awesome and why they should do it. So what I really have are some warnings. Okay. So as an owner or an executive, you have to be ready for a challenger and for someone that you're going to pass responsibility off to. If you're not ready to put your people in the hands of someone else or you're not ready for someone to humbly and appropriately question, you know, the the direction of things, then you're not ready to have a a chief of staff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Another thing is don't just hire anyone. Not just anybody can do this. This is a a trusted role. It has to be someone that you can trust. Um, You trust them with being in charge of your workforce. You trust them to keep your confidence. Uh, You trust them to be honest about what they see. So Mm -hmm. there there has to be relationship there and relationship um, built. Yes. And then the third warning would be don't do it until it's the right time. So it is a strategic decision. And uh, if you are too small, it could be good, but it could be too early. Mm -hmm. So just kind of see, because for for startups, there's so much, you're so agile. Mm -hmm. And you've got everyone's energized and everyone's invested in all of that. But as you start to grow, Mm -hmm. that's when it kind of, you you can feel it as a business, like it's becoming time for someone to be focused on this thing. And so, you know, as if you're in that place right now, and as that's happening, have your eye out. There's probably someone around or someone not too far away that you know, and um, they could be be just right for that that role. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is such wisdom. I, I love the warnings. Um, and I, you know, my personality sometimes is to be a little too quick to solve the problem and, and rush in. And so I think it's important to be thoughtful and really consider, um, is this the right thing and is this the right time? And then find the right person. Yes. You know, all of those things are are really essential in order to set someone up for success in this role and to, you know, essentially set the organization up for success. And so um, those are really great. And um, I, I agree. I think you know, it takes a really self-aware and humble leader to that that first warning that you had, be ready for a challenger. I mean, you have to be able to let people push back on you and and call you out when when you, you know, everyone's going to make mistakes, but if you can't own your mistakes, um, it's going to be really hard to be an effective leader. And so I think really taking stock of if you're ready, if you're if you're really committed to that, um, and then you're able to delegate. And again, that goes back to trust. It goes mm-hmm. back to that relationship. Um, there has to be trust built there, whether that's um, – you know, someone that's already at the company that would would fit into that role or someone that you take the time to really build that relationship and build that trust with. I think that um, has to be there for it to be a healthy transition. Um, it's just been so great to discuss these things with you and what to have delight. you. Um, and thank you so much for your time and, and for just being with us today and, and sharing your knowledge from your experience. Um, so... Thank thank you you all for the invite. This has been the best part of my week. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks.